Welcome to Thoughts on the Market. I'm Andrew Sheets, Chief Cross Asset Strategist for Morgan Stanley Research. And I'm Lisa Shallot, Chief Investment Officer for Morgan Stanley Wealth Management. And today on the podcast, we'll be discussing the role of international stocks in a well-diversified portfolio. It's Thursday, April 28th at 4 p.m. in London. And it's 11 a.m. in New York. Lisa, it's so good to talk to you again. There's just an enormous amount going on in this market. But one place I wanted to start was discussing the performance of U.S. assets versus international assets, uh, especially on the equity side, because you've noticed some interesting trends among our wealth management clients regarding their U.S. versus international exposure. One of the things that we have been attempting to advise clients is to begin to move towards more global diversification, given the really unprecedented outperformance of U.S. equity assets really over the last 12 to 13 years and the relative valuation gaps, and most recently taking into consideration the relative shifts in central bank policies, with obviously the U.S. central bank moving towards a very aggressive inflation-fighting pivot that would have them moving rates as much as 200, 225 basis points over the next 12 months, whereas other central banks may have taken their foot off the accelerator, acknowledging both the complexities of geopolitics as well as some of the lingering concerns around COVID. And so having those conversations with clients has proven extraordinarily challenging. Obviously, you know, what's worked for a very long time tends to convince people that it is secular and not a cyclical trend. And we've had to push back against that argument. But U.S. investors also are looking at the cross currents in the current environment and are very reticent and, quite frankly, nervous about moving to any positions outside the U.S., even if there are valuation advantages and even if there's the potential that in 2023, some of those economies might be accelerating out of their current positions while the U.S. is decelerating. It's hard to talk about the U.S. versus the rest of the world debate without talking about U.S. mega cap tech. This is a sector that's really unique to the United States. And as you've talked a lot about, is seen as a kind of a defensive, all-weather solution. How do you think that that tech debate factors into this overall global allocation question? I think it's absolutely central. We have come to equate mega cap secular growth tech stocks with U.S. equities. And look, there's factual basis for that. Many of those names have come to dominate in terms of the share of market cap, uh, the indices. But as we've tried to articulate, this is not any average cycle. Many of the mega cap tech companies have already benefited from extraordinary optimism baked into current valuations, have potentially experienced some pull forward in demand just from the compositional dynamics of COVID, where manufactured goods and certain work from home trends tended to dominate the consumption mix versus historical services. And so it may be that some of these companies are over-earning. And the third issue is that many investors seem to have assumed that these companies may be immune to some of the 
cost and inflation-driven dynamics that are plaguing more cyclical sectors when it comes to margins. And we're less convinced that pricing power for these companies is perpetual. (laughs) Our Mm. view is that these companies, too, still need to distribute product, still need to pay energy costs, still need to pay employees, and are going to face headwinds to margins. So there is a vulnerability with some of these names that we don't think investors have yet fully onboarded. So what's the case for investing overseas now, and how do you explain that to clients? I think it's really about diversification and illustrating and demonstrating to clients that unlike in prior periods where we had synchronous global policy and synchronicity around the trajectory for corporate profit growth, that today we're in a really unique place where, you know, the events around COVID, the events around central bank policies, the events around sensitivity to commodity-based inflation are all so different and valuations are different. And so taking each of these regions case by case and looking at what is the potential going forward, what's discounted in that market, one of the pieces of logic that we bring to our clients in having this debate really focuses on the divergence we've seen with currencies. The U.S. dollar has kind of reached multi-year extreme valuations versus the yen and the euro and the pound. Currencies tend to be self-correcting through the trade channels and translation channels. And we don't know that American investors are thinking that all through. Well, I'm so glad you brought up the currency angle because that is a really fascinating part of the U.S. versus rest of world story for equities. You know, if we take a market like Japan in yen, the Nikkei equity index is down about 4% for this year, which is better than the S&P 500. But in dollars, as you mentioned, the yen has weakened a lot relative to the dollar. The Nikkei is down almost 14% because the yen has lost about 10% of its value year to date. So when you're an investor investing in a market in a different currency. How do you think about that from a risk management standpoint? How do you think about some of these questions around taking the currency exposure versus hedging the currency exposure? Well, for the vast majority of our clients who may be owning their exposures through a managed solution, through a mutual fund, through an ETF, obviously currency hedging is fraud. And so very often we try to encourage people to just play the mega trend. Don't overthink this. Don't try to think that you're going to be able to hedge your currency exposures. Just really ask yourself, do you think over the next year or two, the dollar is going to be higher or lower? And so right now with the U.S. dollar, as I said, at these extremes, answering that question, we think is reasonably easy. From where we sit, we think odds are pretty good that the dollar is going to be lower and other currencies are going to be stronger, which creates a tailwind for U.S. investors investing in those markets. I guess taking a step back and thinking about the large amount of assets that we see within Morgan Stanley Wealth Management, what are you think kind of the most notable flows and trends that people should be aware of? As we noted, one of the most structurally inert parts of people's portfolio is in their devotion to U.S. mega cap tech stocks. I think disrupting that point of view and convincing folks that while these may be great companies, they 
perhaps are no longer great stocks is one that has really been an effort in futility that seems only to get cracked when an individual company faces an idiosyncratic problem. And it's only then when the stock actually goes down that we see investors willing to embrace a new thesis that says, okay, great company, no longer great stock. Tomorrow, I'll be continuing my conversation with Lisa Shallot on retail investing, ESG, and what's been happening in fixed income. And as a reminder, if you enjoy Thoughts of the Market, please take a moment to rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. It helps more people find the show. The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives and may not be suitable for you. 